Section 6 of History of Australia and New Zealand from 1696 to 1890. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of Australia and New Zealand from 1696 to 1890 by Alexander and George Sutherland. New South Wales. 1808-1837 1. Governor Macquarie In 1808, the English government held an inquiry as to the circumstances which had caused the expulsion of Governor Bly, and though they cashiered Major Johnstone, and indeed ordered the whole of the New South Wales Corps to be disbanded, yet, as it was clear that Bly had been himself very much to blame, they yielded to the wishes of the settlers in so far as to appoint a new governor in his place and therefore dispatched major-general macquarie to take the position he was directed to reinstate bligh for a period of twenty-four hours in order to indicate that the authorities in england would not suffer the colonists to dictate to them in these matters but that they reserved completely to themselves the right to appoint and dismiss the governors however as bligh had by this time gone to tasmania macquarie was forced to content himself on his arrival with merely proclaiming what had been his instructions in the early days of the colonies their destinies were to a great extent moulded by the governors who had charge of them whether for good or for evil the influence of the governor was decisive and it was therefore a matter of great good fortune to sydney that during the long administration of governor lachlan macquarie this influence was almost wholly on the side of good not that macquarie had no faults he was a man full of vanity and self-conceit a man who instead of sober dispatches to his superiors in england wrote flowery accounts of himself and his wonderful doings a man who in his egoism affixed the names of himself and of his family to nearly every place discovered in the colony during his term of office yet apart from this weakness macquarie may be characterized as an exemplary man and an admirable governor he devoted himself heartily to his work his chief thought for twelve years was how to improve the state of the little colony and how to raise the degraded men who had been sent thither an ardent feeling of philanthropy gave a kindly tone to his restless activity once every year he made a complete tour of the settled portions of the colony to observe their condition and discover what improvements were needed he taught the farmers to build for themselves neat houses in place of the rude huts they had previously been content with he encouraged them to improve their system of farming sometimes with advice sometimes with money but more often with loans from the government stores he built churches and schools he took the warmest interest in the progress of religion and of education and neglected nothing that could serve to elevate the moral tone of the little community certainly no community has ever been in greater need of elevation the fact that the british government thought it necessary to send out one thousand one hundred soldiers to keep order among a population of only ten thousand 
indicates very plainly what was the character of these people and almost justifies the sweeping assertion of macquarie that the colony consisted of those quote, who had been transported and those who ought to have been end quote. yet macquarie uniformly showed a kindly disposition towards the convicts he settled great numbers of them as free men on little farms of their own and if they did not succeed as well as they might have done it was not for want of advice and assistance from the governor two rode over the blue mountains the most important result of macquarie's activity was the opening up of new country he had quite a passion for road-making and though on his arrival in the colony he found only forty-five miles of what were little better than bush tracks yet when he left there were over three hundred miles of excellent and substantial roads spreading in all directions from sydney he marked out towns such as windsor richmond and castlereagh in suitable places then by making roads to them he encouraged the freed convicts to leave sydney and form little communities inland but his greatest achievement in the way of road-making was the highway across the blue mountains this range had for years presented an insurmountable barrier many persons including the intrepid base had attempted to cross it but in vain the only one who succeeded even in penetrating far into that wild and rugged country was a gentleman called cayley who stopped at the edge of an enormous precipice where he could see no way of descending but in eighteen thirteen three gentlemen named wentworth lawson and blacksland succeeded in crossing after laboriously piercing through the dense timber which covers some of the ranges they traversed a wild and desolate country sometimes crawling along naked precipices sometimes fighting their way through wild ravines but at length emerging on the beautiful plains to the west on their return they found that by keeping constantly on the crest of a long spur the road could be made much easier and governor macquarie stimulated by their report sent surveyor evans to examine the pass his opinion was favorable and macquarie lost no time in commencing to construct a road over the mountains the difficulties in his way were immense for fifty miles the course lay through the most rugged country where yawning chasms had to be bridged and oftentimes the solid rock had to be cut away yet in less than fifteen months a good carriage highway stretched from sydney across the mountains and the governor was able to take mrs macquarie on a trip to the fine pasture lands beyond where he founded a town and named it bathurst after lord bathurst the secretary of state this was a measure of great importance to the colony for the country between the mountains and the sea was too limited and too much subject to droughts to maintain the two hundred and fifty thousand sheep which the prosperous colony now possessed many squatters took their flocks along the road to bathurst and settled down in the spacious pasture lands of the macquarie and lachlan rivers three governor brisbane in eighteen twenty one governor macquarie left for england much regretted by the colonists 
the only serious mistake of his policy had been that he had quietly discouraged the introduction of free settlers because as he said the colony is intended for convicts and free settlers have no business here his successor sir thomas brisbane and afterwards sir ralph darling adopted a more liberal policy and offered every inducement to free immigrants to make their homes in the colony it was never found possible however to obtain many of that class which has been so successful in america consisting of men who having with difficulty gathered sufficient money for their passages landed in their adopted country without means and with no resources beyond the cheerful labor of themselves and of their families yet settled down in the deep untrodden forests and there made for themselves happy and prosperous homes this was not the class of immigrants who arrived in new south wales during the times of brisbane and darling for in eighteen eighteen free passages to australia had been abolished and the voyage was so long and so expensive that a poor man could scarcely hope to accomplish it hence those who arrived in sydney were generally young men of good education who brought with them a few hundred pounds and not only were willing to labor themselves but were able to employ the labor of others in america the squatter was a man who farmed a small piece of land in australia he was one who bought a flock of sheep and carried them out to the pasture lands where as they increased from year to year he grew rich with the annual produce of their wool sir thomas brisbane was pleased with the advent of men of this class he gave them grants of land and assigned to them as many convicts as they were able to employ very speedily the fine lands of the colony were covered with flocks and herds and the applications for convicts became so numerous that at one time two thousand more were demanded than could be supplied hence began an important change in the colony the costly government farms were one after another broken up and the convicts assigned to the squatters then the unremunerative public works were abandoned for many of these had been begun only for the purpose of occupying the prisoners all this tended for good as the convicts when thus scattered were much more manageable and much more likely to reform than when gathered in large and corrupting crowds in macquarie's time not one convict in ten could be usefully employed seven or eight years after there was not a convict in the colony whose services would not be eagerly sought for at a good price by the squatters this important change took place under governors brisbane and darling and was in a great measure due to those governors yet strange to say neither of them was ever popular brisbane who entered upon office in eighteen twenty one was a fine old soldier a thorough gentleman honorable and upright in all his ways yet it could not be doubted that he was out of his proper sphere when conducting the affairs of a young colony and in eighteen twenty five the british government found it necessary to recall him four governor darling he was succeeded by sir ralph darling who was also a soldier but was at the same time a man well adapted for business 
yet he too failed to give satisfaction he was precise and methodical and his habits were painfully careful exhibiting that sort of diligence which takes infinite trouble and anxiety over details to the neglect of larger and more important matters his administration lasted six years from eighteen twenty five to eighteen thirty one during this period an association was formed in england consisting of merchants and members of parliament who subscribed a capital of one million pounds and received from government a grant of one million acres in new south wales they called themselves the australian agricultural company and proposed to improve and cultivate the wastelands of australia to import sheep and cattle for squatting purposes to open up mines for coals and metals and in general to avail themselves of the vast resources of the colony sir edward parry the famous polar navigator was sent out as manager the servants and employees of the association formed quite a flourishing colony on the liverpool plains at the head of the darling river and though at first it caused some confusion in the financial state of new south wales yet in the end it proved of great benefit to the whole colony five the legislative council in eighteen twenty four a small executive council had been formed to consult with governor brisbane on colonial matters in eighteen twenty nine this was enlarged and became the legislative council consisting of fifteen members who had power to make laws for the colony but as their proceedings were strictly secret and could be completely reversed by the governor whenever he chose they formed but a very imperfect substitute for a truly legislative body yet this council was of some service to the colony one of its first acts was to introduce the english jury system in place of arbitrary trials by government officials six the newspaper war governor darling was never popular during the greater part of his period of office intrigues were continually on foot to obtain his recall and from this state of feeling there arose what has been called the newspaper war which lasted for four years with great violence the first australian newspaper had been established in eighteen o three by a convict named howe it was in a great measure supported by the patronage of the government and the governors always exercised the right of forbidding the insertion of what they disliked hence this paper the sydney gazette was considered to be the government organ and accordingly its opinions of the governors and their acts were greatly distrusted but during the time of brisbane an independent newspaper the australian was established by mr wentworth and dr wardell a second of the same kind soon followed and was called the monitor these papers found it to their advantage during the unpopularity of darling to criticize severely the acts of that governor who was defended by the gazette with intemperate zeal this altercation had lasted for some time when in the third year of darling's administration a very small event was sufficient to set the whole colony in an uproar a dissipated soldier named suds persuaded his companion thompson 
that their prospects were not hopeful so long as they remained soldiers but that if they became convicts they had a fair chance of growing rich and prosperous accordingly they entered a shop and stole a piece of cloth they were tried convicted and sentenced to be transported to tasmania for seven years this was what they wished but governor darling having heard of the scheme they were so successfully carrying out took it upon himself to alter the course of the law and directed them to be chained together with heavy spiked collars of iron about their necks and to be set to labor on the roads suds was suffering from liver disease he sank beneath the severity of his punishment and in a few days he died while thompson about the same time became insane this was an excellent opportunity for the opposition papers which immediately attacked the governor for what they called his illegal interference and his brutality the gazette filled its columns with the most fulsome flattery in his defence and darling himself was so imprudent as to mingle in the dispute and to do what he could to annoy the editors of the two hostile papers very soon the whole colony was divided into two great classes the one needlessly extolling the governor the other denouncing him as the most cowardly and brutal of men for four years this abusive warfare lasted till at length the opponents of darling won the day and in eighteen thirty one he was recalled by the english government seven governor burke sir richard burke who succeeded him was the most able and the most popular of all the sydney governors he had the talent and energy of macquarie but he had in addition a frank and hearty manner which insensibly won the hearts of the colonists who for years after his departure used to talk affectionately of him as the good old governor burke during his term of office the colony continued in a sober way to make steady progress in eighteen thirty three its population numbered sixty thousand of whom thirty six thousand were free persons every year there arrived three thousand fresh convicts but as an equal number of free immigrants also arrived the colony was benefited by its annual increase of population eight the land question governor burke on his landing found that much discontent existed with reference to what was called the land question it was understood that any one who applied for land to the government and showed that he would make a good use of it would receive a suitable area as a free grant but many abuses crept in under this system in theory all men had an equal right to obtain the land they required but in practice it was seldom possible for one who had no friends among the officials at sydney to obtain a grant an immigrant had often to wait for months and see his application unheeded while meantime a few favored individuals were calling day by day at the land office and receiving grant after grant of the choicest parts of the colony governor burke under instructions from the english parliament made a new arrangement there were to be no more free grants 
in the settled districts all land was to be put up for auction if less than five shillings an acre was offered it was not to be sold when the offers rose above that price it was to be given to the highest bidder this was regarded as a very fair arrangement and as a large sum of money was annually received from the sale of land the government was able to resume the practice discontinued in eighteen eighteen of assisting poor people to emigrate from europe to the colony nine the squatters beyond the surveyed districts the land was occupied by squatters who settled down where they pleased but had no legal right to their runs as they were called with regard to these lands new regulations were urgently required for the squatters who were liable to be turned off at a moment's notice felt themselves in a very precarious position besides as their sheep increased rapidly and the flocks of neighboring squatters interfered with one another violent feuds sprang up and were carried on with much bitterness to put an end to these evils governor burke ordered the squatters to apply for the land they required he promised to have boundaries marked out but gave notice that he would in future charge a rent in proportion to the number of sheep the land could support in return he would secure to each squatter the peaceable occupation of his run until the time came when it should be required for sale this regulation did much to secure the stability of squatting interests in new south wales after ruling well and wisely for six years governor burke retired in the year eighteen thirty seven amid the sincere regrets of the whole colony End of section 6. Recording by Linda Johnson.